Okay. So um, if you're a guest here today, my name is Vic, and uh, I'd love to meet you. Uh, thanks for coming. Today's a, a bit of a unique day. Once a year, we have these moments where uh, we look back over our shoulders, kind of like a year in review, and then we kind of set ourselves up for the year ahead. So this this Sunday is one of those Sundays. So if you're a guest here, uh, it's, it's both unique, but you also get an opportunity to, I guess, look under the hood of our church um, and sort of see what we're about. So it's a bit of an in-house meeting. Um, it's different to the norm, so please don't judge our Sundays by today's particular sermon. And, uh, you know, that appeal will become more and more apparent as I keep speaking, okay? So, um, but I just wanted to say that as, as if you're a guest here today. So, yes, we are going to glance over our shoulders um, uh, very quickly. 2022 was actually not a crazy busy year, uh, but it was, it was profound uh, for various reasons. I listed a whole bunch of things that I could share that we've accomplished that's worth celebrating. Sometimes we spend more time on that. We take a whole service. We show you pictures, and we celebrate what God has done. It's not going to be like that. Actually, we're going to look ahead more than we are going to look behind us. But there's a couple of things worth mentioning. So, of course, 2022, everybody was still sort of coming out of COVID vibes and all the restrictions and the things we can and cannot do and say and cannot say. And so I think everybody was sort of finding their feet, and it was true of City Gates as well. Um, so when the year kicked off, watch parties still take, took place. So there's a couple of pictures up there. You can see that's in the Waypoint. Uh, if you're a guest here, that is our shared space. We have a community center that's like a co-work space just a couple of blocks from here. And we actually used that to live stream some of our servants, and it was one of our meeting locations. We didn't have a venue like this, um, which is also not ours anyway, but we were meeting in, in homes uh, and in the Waypoint that can take sort of 20 to 30 people. Um, so that's the Waypoint. There's another picture there. Uh, I think that's the Madeiros basement. That's another uh, watch party, uh, but a couple of other city gators also made their homes available. So that's how we kicked off the year. And, uh, and uh, you can remember that actually we preached through a, one single series pretty much the whole year called One, where we looked at one Old Testament book uh, every Sunday um, for pretty much the whole year. Uh, and that was uh, what kept us busy, you know, from the pulpit side. And, and some of you preached uh, uh, through that as well, which was amazing. Uh, the next picture, I think, is um, us eventually moving out of the watch party uh, thing into this particular venue. So we felt uh, that, you know, um, people were really hungry to be together in one place again. And even though we didn't have our own venue, uh, we said, well, um, maybe in order to find a venue, we have to sacrifice convenience. Uh, so Sunday mornings just didn't seem like it was possible for us to find somewhere. So we said, if meeting together is so important... It sounded like everybody was willing to do like a weird time and a, and a weird day. It ended up staying Sunday, but the time was 5.30, and here we are still meeting at on 5.30 uh, Sunday evening. So that's kind of one of the first, uh, you know, times we got together. Um, it, was, it was special, and it is still special, real privilege to be together like this, even though it's not our usual Sunday morning slot. Um, then uh, we... We said goodbye, I mentioned it during our singing time, to the Mac family. So that's actually Lawrence and Liz and Toby and Loretta. The Macs uh, um, are, the, are the young ones, and the Keens are the old ones, okay? Uh, even though the Macs, you know, one of them's bald. So, um, <laughs> but uh, uh, yeah, those were, you know, uh, Toby and, and uh, Lawrence, both elders in this church, and, uh, you know, Lawrence left two and a bit years ago, and then Toby 
went to go visit Quinnell. He was really stirred by Lawrence's report back in 2021 on what God was doing in Quinnell. Their hearts were moved, and they responded to God's obedience. And they went to go visit Quinnell. That's a picture there. And then a couple of months later, the next picture, they were on the stage over here, and we prayed them out as a family, and we sent them to Quinnell uh, to go and support that church plant. And so many of you know the, the amazing providence of God in that because they landed there. They were there but a few weeks, probably, not even months. And Lawrence got sick. And so Toby is actually the interim leader right now. He's able to lead that congregation and keep that church moving forward with momentum while Lawrence is recovering. So we didn't know uh, how things would pan out. But looking back, we can just see God's amazing providence. Like he's so into the details. Um, it was costly for us to send them. Um, but looking back now, absolutely the right thing, wasn't it, you know? Um, and I mean, again, I want to commend you as a church. We're not a massive church, but it was a year of, of incredible generosity again. We sowed some of our best people. That family, uh, they were pillars in our community. All Everybody loved uh, the Max, very dear to us. And we said, instead of keeping them for ourselves, we understand how God works. He raises people up and then he sends them out. Let's be generous. Our church is not measured by our seating capacity, but our sending capacity, really. Because God is a God who tells us, even as believers, to go into all the world and proclaim the gospel. So that's an amazing thing. So, I mean, those are just some of the highlights um, in terms of under, under the hood for us. Uh, Courtney stepped off of staff, but we said hi to Samantha. Samantha came onto staff part-time to help with our kids' ministry. Um, there was a sabbatical thrown in there for my family, which we were so thankful for in the beginning of the year. Uh, we were able to uh, catch our breath and to, and as a family and thankful for that. We had some visitors dedicated a bunch of babies um, that seems to just keep showing up at this church. So that was, that was very special, and we ended off with a big, uh, big shindig, a big um, party at the end of the year where we all wear, uh, wore strange Christmas sweaters, um, and, uh, and it was a great way to sort of uh, end off the year. But one thing I want to focus on is, again, like our generosity. It was quite a benevolent year. So I've got some numbers up on the screen over there. And uh, that, that is an amazing thing, again, for the size church that we are. $8,000, that was when I was on sabbatical, actually, you know, the, the whole uh, war on U Ukraine thing uh, took, uh, you know, kicked off. And, uh, and it was incredible to, to see our church again, just saying, hey, let's give through Samaritan's Purse. They have relief and rescue teams. They send right into, you know, the hotspots and, uh, and, you gave about $4,000, and as a church, we matched it with another $4,000, so $8,000 or so to Ukraine. Then um, with the Max upping and leaving, we helped with their relocating costs, and uh, again, $8,500 came in, in addition to your regular giving, and then we topped it up as a church, just over $2,000 uh, extra that, uh, that resulted in ultimately about 10K that we were able to help them with with their relocating costs to Quinnell. Um, we were still, the year before, we sent Lawrence and Liz, and we still, there's some people here who have committed to giving to that church plant. Remember, they are reaching a, um, a, a community that is um, sort of on the poverty line. Uh, lots of brokenness, uh, drug abuse and addictions, substance abuse. Um, and, and, uh, and so their church isn't a church that's necessarily financially uh, strong because of the demographics that they're reading, reaching. So our generosity is still helping them move forward. And like you can see there, I think I can read it from over here better, $8,500 uh, went to Two Rivers Church in Cornell. 
Um, and uh, that's just from our people. We're also helping. Other people are donating to Two Rivers through CityGate. So we issue them donation receipts. We make sure that money just goes straight to, to them. So, so even more has been funneled through our church. Um, and then lastly, you can see uh, at the end of the year, we raised about $7,000 for our clean water Christmas project and the um, uh, meeting the global food crisis. So one was through compassion. The other one was through charity water. Um, so if you add all of that up, actually over $33,000 from our church community, we, we gave for the sake of others. We didn't spend it on ourselves. So you guys, that's, that's something to be really proud of. I mean, give yourselves a hand, you know. But ultimately, it's, 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 we are just conduits. God works through us, you know, and your, your hands are open and you're willing to have God's blessing in your life flow through you, not stop at you. Um, that's an amazing thing. I'm so proud of everybody. Um, and so, yeah, that's something certainly to celebrate. And let me just say that in the wake of COVID, our income, in fact, did drop as a church, uh, you know, attendance and, you know, people are figuring out what life's like uh, still, it seems like it. And, and in spite of our income uh, having dropped, uh, you know, if you compare year upon year, generosity actually <laughs> increased. So something to be proud of, something to praise God about. Okay, so that's about as much of uh, over our shoulders looking as we're going to be, we, we will be doing tonight. Um, I'm always asking God in the beginning of the year, Lord, what, what can I share? What can we, what can we bring? Like a word for something we can take with us into the year. And uh, as I looked at this uh, day coming up, I felt God bring 1 Kings chapter 18 to mind. So we preached through First and Second Kings. I actually went back. I was on sabbatical when that was preached. So I went and listened to uh, that particular sermon, making sure I'm not going to um, repeat anything that was already said. But uh, we're going to go back there tonight, 1 Kings chapter 18. And I warned you already, this is more of a prophetic sermon, okay? Maybe a prophetic ramble. I don't know what you, we can call it whatever you like. So it's out of the norm. The norm normally is we look at the scriptures and we teach and we preach from the scriptures. But I have to just be honest with you, tonight is a little bit of me sensing God saying something using this passage to anchor it. I don't want to butcher the passage. I don't want to, you know, do um, harm to God's word. But I'm going to ask you to go easy on me as I sort of figure out this, this, uh, this you know, sharing what I want to share um, in obedience to help uh, us frame 2023. Okay, so let me pray, and then I'll kick off first with giving you some context. Lord, thank you for your word as we open up 1 Kings chapter 18 um, with uh, Elijah at the center here. Would you speak to us as we read these verses together? Lord, will you in, do something in all of our hearts tonight as city gators, as members of this church? Lord, give us something to take home, to take with us into this year um, and to trust you with. Lord, we, we thank you for, for your word that helps us, that we actually don't just have to be up here and do like a positive talk, but we have the scriptures here to do the heavy lifting for us. So would you do that by your spirit, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so um, when we get to chapter 18, the context here is, uh, as I said, Elijah. He's a prophet. Um, he, uh, at that stage, the, 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 the kingdom of Israel split into two uh, fractions, the northern kingdom, which is called Israel, and the southern Judah. And, and Elijah is prophesying um, and calling out uh, the king at that stage, King Ahab, in the northern kingdom, kingdom of Israel. 
And King Ahab is just one king in a long line of many, many terrible kings. That's kind of the story. Uh, I remember when Toby preached this, he said it's one of those, um, f- you know, fail reels that you go on YouTube. You know, where you, it's like one and two kings is one of those books where it's just like, oh, one king failed, next king failed, next king failed. The southern kingdom did a little better, but the, all the kings in the northern kingdom up until now have just been a shocker. Okay. And so... Um, Elijah is calling out King Ahab. He's kind of the worst of the worst at present. He worships Baal, a false god. Um, He probably sacrificed his kids to rebuild like Jericho. Um, His wife uh, is an idolater as well, Jezebel, and she actually went ahead and killed so many of the prophets of God, of Yahweh, the one true God. Um, And so in, uh, in 1 Kings 17, the chapter just before where we'll be reading from, Elijah actually uh, prophesies that a famine is coming, and it did take place. And we pick up from this story about three years later. Okay, so three years later, um, this is where we're going to pick up. And the first point that I want to bring out. So today, the sermon title, the prophetic ramble title is Hope on the Horizon. And point number one is resisting. Resist. Okay, so it'll make sense as we read together. But you'll see false idols and ideologies um, is what we are called to resist in our time. So let's read verses 17 to 29 together. Is that okay? If you have your Bibles, you can obviously crack it open. Otherwise, it will be up on the screen. So 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 17. Here we go. When Ahab, that's the bad king, saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, It is you, you troubler of Israel. And he answered, I have not troubled Israel, but you have and your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord. Now, in the Bible, even on screen, you'll see Lord, there's all capitals. And when it's written like that in the Bible, it's actually the the name Yahweh. All right, so, and Yahweh was like, it's important. I'm going to just use the word Yahweh as I continue to read here because there's a battle between the one true God and the false God. And so it's like in our day, when we speak to someone in our culture and we talk about God, you know what, they, when they say God, they might mean one thing. And when we say God, we mean the one true God. And so we, we, he has a name. In the New Testament, you know, we love to talk about Jesus. In the Old Testament, God made it very clear that he is the God above all gods. And they said, well, what's your name? Yahweh is his name. So I'm going to use the word Yahweh as opposed to Baal, which is the, um, you know, the, the false uh, idol here. So back to verse 18. I have not troubled Israel, you have, and your father's house, because you have abandoned the commandments of Yahweh and followed the bowls. 19. Now therefore, send and gather all Israel to me, Elijah, at Mount Carmel, and the 400 prophets of Baal, and the 400 prophets of Asherah, who eat at Jezebel's table. Jezebel is the bad wife of King Ahab, who killed all the prophets of Yahweh. So, Already, this is a bit of a bad scene. It's like one against kind of 950 prophets. Okay, the prophets, the odds are against him over there. And that's sometimes what it can feel like for us, I guess, as Christians, as believers in a culture that rejects the claims and teachings of Jesus. As we could feel like Elijah, maybe, like, oh, there's 950 of them against just poor little me or our poor little church. But we'll see out here that God, in the end, comes through. So verse 20, Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and gathered the prophets together at Mount Carmel. And Elijah came near to all the people and said, how long will you go limping between two different opinions? If Yahweh is God, follow him. But if Baal, then follow him. And the people did not answer him a word. Then Elijah said to the people, 
I, even I only, am left a prophet of the Lord. But Baal's prophets are 450 men. Let two bulls be given to us, and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it in pieces and lay it on the wood. But put no fire to it, and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it myself. Verse 24. And you call upon the name of your God, and I will call upon the name of Yahweh. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it is well spoken. Then Elijah said to the prophets of Baal, Choose for yourselves one bull and prepare it first, for you are many. And Paul, call upon the name of your God, but put no fire to it. And they took the bull that was given them, they prepared it, and they called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon, saying, Oh, Baal, answer us. But there was no voice, and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them. This is trash talking in the Bible, saying, Cry aloud, cry aloud, for he is God. Either he is musing, deep in thought, or he is relieving himself. As Toby said, number one or number two, I don't know. Or he is on a journey, or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. Verse 28, and they cried aloud and they cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out of them. I think that's why Elijah is saying they were limping around the altar. Okay, so they were injured. And this is a very sad verse, verse 29. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of the offering of the oblation. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. We'll just stop there for a moment. So this first thing, we can see Elijah is resisting. I, I, be, I believe God is calling us as a church to, to stand strong, to stand firm, and to actually resist the false idols. And in our days, more ideologies. Back then, it was deities with names like Baal you know, and, and Asherah. And, but, but today, it's actually ideas. The Bible actually teaches that behind the ideas in our culture that rejects God's way, the things that we confessed in our confession that Corey helped us through, that actually behind these ideas... Are, are actually the same idols, the same demons. You know, so we just don't, we don't have statues and call them names, but they're still there. They're just working their way through uh, ideas that are against and sets us up against, sets itself up against the knowledge of Christ, as the New Testament says. And so we can feel like, as I said, we can feel like Elijah. We can feel outnumbered, but God is calling us to be courageous. You know, when Elijah was saying this, there were actually other prophets. We will, we, will, we will, if you read the story later on, he wasn't the only one. But it's pretty true that he was the only one who was willing to put his neck out. <laughs> you know, if you, if you re read even in, in, in chapter 17, you, you see that, that, you know, he had a, a bounty on him. And he was courageous to, to resist publicly and to stand up for truth, the one true God. And it's sad because we see here that actually peop the people's false worship, Elijah says to them, you are limping around here. And then he tells us about the prophets of Baal. Who are limping around the altar. And, that, and I think that is so often the, the false ideologies, the false gospels in our culture. Uh, we actually look around and we should have pity and, and, and compassion on, on, on actually the world that is truly limping around. Um, you know, uh, because they aren't able to stand firm upon truth. And there's so much self-harm even as we see here in, in this passage as they worship the false god. 
Um, and, and that's the same. If we think of our culture, the, the false idols of money, sex, and power, and, and, and false identities, it, uh, the, the reality is this, there's so much brokenness as a result of that, so much self-harm, so much limping in a sense. And actually, um, the truth will bring stability and bring salvation um, and bring healing. And, uh, and, and I think verse 29 is like a, a summary of, of the desperation in our call. As people run after these false idols that we are called to resist, they, they are met with no answers. There's a sense that they're alone, that actually these false idols do not deliver at all. They do not save them at all. And we have, as we resist those false idols and ideologies, we have the truth. We know the God who, who will answer as we continue to read here. Even as we were praising and singing about God answering our prayers uh, regarding uh, uh, Lawrence, we serve a God who does answer. Verse 29 is not our fate where there's no one answered and no one paid attention. Actually, God is described as a father. He's one who pays attention. He knows what goes on in the lives of his children, his kids. So that's number one, resist. We're going to keep reading from verse uh, 30 to 39, just nine verses now. And the second two points is uh, repaired uh, or rebuilt and remember or return. So let's read that together. Verse 30 says, let me find it. It's somewhere here. There we go. I don't know why I grunted, but that's just how it it came out. (laughs) Then Elijah said to all the people, come near to me. And all the people came near to him. And he repaired the altar of the Lord that had been thrown down. Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob. And the sons of Jacob eventually became the nation of Israel, the 12 tribes of Israel. That's why there were 12 stones there. To whom the word of Yahweh came, saying, Israel shall be your name. Verse 32, and with the stones he built an altar in the name of Yahweh. And he made a trench about the altar as great as would certain, uh, or as great as would contain two seers of seed. I think it's seven liters uh, a seer, so it's like 14 liters of water. 33, and he put the wood in, in order and cut the bull in pieces and laid it on the wood. And he said, fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And they did it a second time. And he said, do it a third time. So they drenched this altar and he did it a third time. And the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. And at the time of the offering of the oblation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, Yahweh, God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, slash Jacob, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, Yahweh, answer me, that this people may know that you, Yahweh, are God and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And when the people saw it, they fell on their faces and said, Yahweh, he is God. Yahweh, he is God. Amazing answer to prayer. So two things there for us is a repairing and a rebuilding. He did that with the altar in verses 30 to 31. And there was a neglect of a very important thing. I mean, 
the altar he, he rebuilt, it was 12 stones reminding them that they are a people that God had formed as a result of him promising to Abraham and then Abraham's son Isaac and then Isaac's son Jacob that was called Israel and his sons became, it's like, it's like a, they had forgotten and this repairing of this altar was remembering um, well, that's point number three. Number two was first the repairing and the rebuilding of an altar. And so often we can neglect important things that God wants us to be aware of. And when we neglect important things, they don't just stay static. Is it called the law of entropy? Where things just get worse if you leave it alone? No scientist. But that's how it works in our spiritual life as well. Is that when we put pause on important things God wants us to do and believe... It's not like we can just return back and pick up from where we left off. We lose ground. Things break apart. They need repairing. And it's like that. And if you think about our, our, our lives, think about the habit of meeting together, like for the last two years, and, and how COVID has actually that important discipline in the, script, in, 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 in the Scriptures, in Christianity. People have forgotten that. There's a bit of rebuilding. I think it still needs to take place. If we look at our, our you know, gathering and who, who shows up on Sunday nights, I think we've got some work to do. This, that particular thing needs to be rebuilt and to be repaired. Reading our scriptures. You can join us on our Seeing Jesus Together journaling, where every day we read the scriptures together in community. That's, that, maybe that's something that fell by the wayside as you, got, as you got busy, as you got distracted. Prayer, mission, serving, you know, family, all sorts of things may have fallen by the wayside and this is a year where we're rebuilding and we repair them we are going to preach a series called the disciple for the next couple of months that's all we're going to call it and we're going to look at what does it mean to be a follower of jesus what does that look like and in us preaching through that sermon series as we look at the new testament what does it mean to follow jesus i trust some repairing and some rebuilding will take place maybe you're here and you want to explore christianity it's a great sermon series to join us with if you want to know what does it mean to be a follower of jesus we're going to try and make that pretty clear okay and then the third point is to remember and to return it's it's kind of connected to re repairing and rebuilding but it, he said yeah the god of abraham the god of isaac the god of jacob he, he, he double clicked on that promise that was made to them as a nation that they had forgotten about and it's amazing that as god answered that prayer the fire came down from heaven settling once for all, who's God? It says they, it, it was to turn their hearts back. And their hearts did turn back. They all cried out, Yahweh, you are God. You are the one true God. And so we trust that as we remember, that's why we look back over our shoulders at what God had done uh, last year through, in and through our church. It's important for us to do that, to celebrate God's faithfulness. Because when we do that, our hearts return. Our hearts return to the Lord as we remember what He has done. And, uh, you know, God's so good. Despite all the odds against Him, even He upped the odds, you know, from one against four, 950 prophets, you know, to a drenched altar. You know, He just stacked the odds that God is faithful. He just came through. Because here's the reality. As you resist in this culture, you might feel super outnumbered. But this is how the math works in Christianity. You plus God always equals the majority. It's a simple equation, okay? You might stand all alone, but if you have Yahweh, if you have Jesus behind you, you're always going to be fine. You don't have to worry about, you know, the scales being tipped or you being outnumbered. God's got your back. He's the biggest. Uh, trust Him. Remember and return. And then the last one, number four, is a real resolve. 
in other words, a determination to trust the Lord for radical change and provision. We're going to read from verse 41 to 46, our last uh, bit of verses together. goes like this. And Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is a sound of the rushing of rain. Remember, I told you the context was three years of famine. Again, what a bold move, you know, to take a bull. I don't know. I don't know if that was one of the few bulls left. You know, it's famine. In other words, not a lot of rain. I don't know if that was a wise thing to do with water, pour it all out over them. But there was a real sense that, no, God's going to break this thing. Uh, it's, it's quite amazing. Hey, and he says to Ahab, now I want you to go eat and drink. Again, that's m- maybe not the best thing to do in the middle of a famine. But he's saying there's the sound of rushing rain. Verse 42, so Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he bowed himself down on the earth and put his face between his knees. And he said to his servant, go up now, look towards the sea. And he went up and looked and said, there's nothing. And he said, go again, seven times. And at the seventh time, he said, behold, a little cloud like a man's hand is riding from the sea. And he said, Go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down, lest the rain stops you. And in a little while, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind, and there was a great rain, famine broken. And Ahab rode and went to Jezreel, and the hand of the Lord was on Elijah. He gathered up his garment and ran before Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel. Many believe that he outran a chariot in that moment. It's actually quite funny. If you get to chapter 17, you see a, uh, another prophet there uh, kind of talks to Elijah saying, you know, I know how you roll. Like the Holy Spirit is just going to take, the Spirit of God is going to take you and beam you up somewhere. Like Elijah was a wild guy. Like he saw some incre- incredible miracles, you know. Um, and so, you know, we read verse 46 there about him, you know, outrunning a chariot. And we go, man, that's just how he rolls. That's what he does. But, you know, he, he, there was a real resolve in, in Elijah to trust the Lord for radical provision, you know, this famine of three years. I mean, if you read some of the chapters before with, with the widow who was basically saying, I have a little bit of oil and wheat left. I'm going to make this food and eat and die. And, you know, Elijah shows up and it never runs out. It's an amazing uh, account. He, he was familiar with trusting the Lord for radical provision. And I feel this is a resolve, City Gates, that we need to have for this year, trusting the Lord to provide for our needs as a church. You know, he put his face between his legs. It says that's how he prayed on Mount Carmel. And many believe that this is the Hebrew labor position, right, for women who, who were going into labor. This is kind of what they did to sort of get the baby out, okay? We don't do that uh, much. At least my wife didn't do it that way. Um, you can tell me about your wife later. But um, this is actually amazing because this is referenced in the New Testament, this particular moment. So if we see on sc- uh, James chapter 5, verse 17 to 18, it'll be up on the screen here. This is what it says, Elijah, and this is about talking about you and I praying, trusting the Lord for answered prayer. It says, Elijah was a man with a nature just like ours. It's hard to believe, but they're basically saying what Elijah did in trusting the Lord, you and I, we could see some great things if we trust him the same way. It says, he prayed fervently that it might not rain, and for three years and six months, it didn't rain. Then he prayed again, this is this passage we're reading here, and heaven gave rain, and the earth bore its fruit and so he went down on his knees and it tells us that he prayed seven times or at least there was this keep checking 
anything? No. You know, there he is with his head. I don't know. I think that's the position. All right. I don't want to do this. I heard Harry Styles split his pants in front of a concert this week. I don't want to be Harry Styles in front of you right now. But, you know, here he's in that position and he's saying to his servant, what do you see? Look on the horizon. Look on the horizon. Seven times. So often we give up, right? Once. One pray, pray one. Pray firmly. Nothing. Ah, it's not the Lord's will. Twice. Three times. Do you do it four times? Five times? Six times? I haven't even gotten to seven yet, and you're already bored with my illustration. Okay? Like this, the, you know, this is what God is calling us to. It's, it's this resolve and to show. I mean, in our Seeing Jesus Together readings in the last week or two, we were reading about the persistent widow that, that, that knocks on the unjust judge's door. And actually, because the judge was irritated, he wasn't even a good judge. He gave her what she asked for. He's like, how much more? Your heavenly father who knows what's good for you, who loves you. You're his child. If you persistently knock on his door, will he give you good things? And so that resolve in us as a church, friends. And, and to trust that, you know, even if the, the, the signs of God's answering us is a little cloud on the horizon, that we, that we don't go, oh, that, that can't be God's answer. That, in, in fact, we're like, yes, the Lord is coming through. Like, it's all he needed, just a little cloud on the horizon. He was like, boom, it's done. Deal is sealed. Let's, let's run. Isn't that amazing? And so this year, I want to encourage you, City Gates, to have that kind of resolve as we trust God to meet our needs. One of our greatest needs is a space of our own. Now, I know this is our space on a Sunday night, but we do lock up and switch the alarm on, and then it's not ours until 4 o'clock the next Sunday, okay? And even though it's ours, it's not ours, okay? We can't do much with this because it's not ours. We trust the Lord together for our own piece of something. <laughs> I don't even know what to call it, but just, just trust that the Lord will give us our very own meeting space, and so what we are going to do is we're going to pray, we're going to fast, and we are also going to have two special gift days, days where I've showed you that you're a generous church. You can give $33,000 in a year for the benefit of others. But this is the year that I want you to actually dig deep and trust that you give. You don't know what it's like yet. There's no clouds on the horizon. Let me just be honest with you. But we're going to be on our knees, on our Haunches with our head between our knees, whatever. We're going to be in labor position praying, and we are going to trust the Lord. We're going to put our money where our mouths are. We're going to give towards what God's going to provide. We don't know what it is yet, but we trust Him. How do we show we trust Him? We're going to raise funds for it. So we're going to have a building fund. We're going to have a meeting space fund. We're going to have a whatever space fund, but it's going to be for this thing that we need, a place that we can call our own. We over, we've seen what God has done through the Waypoint. That's our little corner in Pickering Village, how much we are able to influence the community because we have a little bit of a permanent space. But that's for midweek shenanigans. We, we, want, we want something for our Sunday, our big gatherings, our big moments. So friends, two gift days, maybe in March, one in October, but I, I want to encourage all of us, all of us to give towards this. That, that means families. I want you to talk to your kids. And I want you to describe it to them in this way. Won't you trust God for your very own classroom? I don't care how old they are. At, you know, the $33,000 that we raised, it's amazing, but it was a few people that gave large amounts and some small. Wouldn't it be amazing that, that every single person, from the youngest to the oldest, from the poorest to the wealthiest in our community, everybody said, I gave, I trusted the Lord here. I want my kids to, to give towards this thing. I trust for my very own classroom. Where I get to be taught by Jesus. This is me putting my faith in the Lord. This is me 
you know, the, having my, my resolve that God's going to come through for me and for my friends. It's not just a grown-up thing. This is a city gates thing. Every single one of us. That's what I want to leave you with, that we have that kind of faith that Elijah had. Are you with me, city gates? You with us? Are you excited? Absolutely. And those people who didn't show up here tonight, tell them to listen to this so that, and ask them afterwards, are you with us too? I don't, I don't want anybody to miss out. I do think this is a year where we are going to stand strong resisting in a culture that is more and more hostile towards the Lord. We are going to repair things that we've lost and we've broken. We're going to remind ourselves of things that we've forgotten, and we're going to resolve to trust the Lord to provide for us uh, all of the needs that we have as a, as a community. Hey, let's do it. Okay, we're going to end off by taking communion. We have six minutes left. So I was thinking about how to tie communion <laughs> Into what I what I just said over here. So let me take this one for a spin. <laughs> well, let me first take a sip. You know, we get to ask the Lord in faith for big things right now, like Elijah did. Because actually, Jesus in that garden, when he was on his knees, when he was sweating blood, he actually didn't get the answer he was asking for. He, he was he was denied. The, the cup passing him by, the cup of God's wrath. He said, Lord, if possible, but your, nonetheless, your will, not mine. And actually, that, that prayer wasn't answered. So that you and I can actually pray and experience, you know, God's answers. Of course, we pray in accordance with God's will, just like Jesus prayed in accordance with God's will. He said, nevertheless, not my will, your will. The Bible says it was God's will to crush Jesus. That might freak you out. Journey with us if you're a non-Christian here. We'll explain to you what that means. But, but he, he, we, we want to pray in accordance with God's will. We don't want to just make a big shopping list like he's Santa Claus in the sky and like, oh, I want this and I want this and I want this. No, 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 no. We discern the will of the Lord because when we pray the will of the Lord, God comes through and he, he does, he, you know, he gets what he wants. It's his will. But we can, we, when we come around the community table, we, we, we realize that privilege of petitioning to God came to us at the expense of Jesus actually having something denied. You know, the storm clouds of God's wrath was actually forming around Jesus. You know, even it tells us in the scriptures that a darkness came over, over when Jesus died on that cross. When he was in the garden praying on the horizon, he saw a cloud. That was the cloud of God's wrath coming, the storm of God's judgment falling upon him so it doesn't have to fall upon us. Isn't that amazing? And Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice upon the altar. You know, those prophets limped and cut themselves. And, 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 you know, we know that sacrifices of animals, the shedding of blood was the way that sin was atoned for. But Jesus was the ultimate sacrifice. That he was cut. He bled so that you and I don't have to. We don't have to die as a result of our treason against the holy God. He died in our place so that we could be turned to God. Like these people who saw the fire fall on the altar and their hearts turned to God. Actually, the fire of God fell on Jesus on that cross so that you and, you and my heart can turn towards the Lord and worship and in praise. He shed his blood for us so that we would not have to. That's what this table represents. And so it's a privilege for us to do this as a church. You know, It's a worshipful moment. And if you're here today and you're not a Christian, stay in your seat, please, because this is a holy moment for us. This is what Christians do. If you'd like to put your faith in Jesus... Please come to the table because you'll take the cup that represents his blood that was shed.
to pay for your sin, and you'll take the bread that represents his body that was given for you on that cross. And you can, with those things in your hands, you can go, I also trust Jesus. He is the one true God. But if you're not ready to do that, please stick around for a cup of coffee afterwards. This is what Christians do. Okay, so no judgment. If you stay in your seat, it's fine. Many people are on a different journey, but this is a serious moment for us as Christians. It's a worshipful moment. So it's only for believers, okay? Okay, let's stand. We pray, we'll break bread, and then we'll have some coffee.